We're talking about leadership. We're talking about leadership. Everyone's a leader, right? Everyone's a leader. You may not think you're a leader. You may not view yourself as a leader, but you are a leader. If anyone is looking at you, looking to you, following behind you, whether that be, uh, you know, a friend, a spouse, a, a, a child, uh, a co-worker, uh, we're all leaders, aren't we? We're all, we're all leaders. So this is uh, good stuff for all of us, whether you're leading a multi-million dollar corporation or you're leading your family or just leading a friend or, or whatever. We're all, we're all leaders. And uh, so we need to learn about leadership, learn about leadership. Uh, the title of uh, the leadership lesson tonight is Daily Habits Determine Daily Happiness. Daily Habits Determine Daily Happiness. How many know you've got a whole lot to do with whether you're happy or not? You have a whole lot to do with whether you're happy or not. Um, happiness is a decision, right? You can decide to be happy or you can decide to be unhappy. But there are some things that we can do on a daily basis that makes it a whole lot easier for us to decide to be happy, all right? And, and some daily habits that we can develop that will determine daily happiness. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 13 says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. So that's what these leadership lessons are all about, trying to impart to you some wisdom, uh, some wisdom we'll find in the Word of God, some of Solomon's wisdom, who was, one of the, who was the greatest man of wisdom of all time, um, wisdom that I have gleaned from reading books, studying leadership, wisdom I have gained from uh, trial and error, three steps forward, two steps back, experience, Living life, leading churches, leading a family, uh, leading a crew, whatever. In your notes tonight, it says, No one likes to work around someone who is always unhappy. Ever met that person that's just always unhappy? I mean, you know, it's always either too hot or too cold or too this or too that or to something else, or not enough this, or not enough that. or No one likes to work around someone who is always unhappy. No one likes to be around people who are always unhappy or, you know, very moody. Very, it's not, you know, some people, they're not always unhappy. It's either, you know, they're either on top of the mountain or the mountain's on top of them, and there's never seemed to be anything in between. Thinking about an individual, not in this church, from my past ministry, who, um, this man, I, I never, when I would see him, I didn't know which man would show up. Would it be the man that was on top of the world and, you know, everything was grand and glorious and awesome and incredible and marvelous and, or would this, you know, be the guy that would, you know, take my head off? You know, I just didn't know which was it Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde? Which one was going to show 
up. And it usually was only a couple of moments into it, I knew which one showed up. Ever met anybody? Don't look around. Ever met anybody like that? Well, no one likes to uh, be around people like that. No one likes to work with people like that. Nobody likes to have people like that on their team. Uh, No one likes to work around someone who is always unhappy. Unhappy people have a negative effect on the entire team. Ever met that, you know, have you ever just been bebopping through your day, man? I mean, you know, just, you know, the sun is shining and the, you know, the sky is blue and the birds are singing. And man, I mean, you're just skipping through your day and just everything is just great and everything's just going great and wonderful. And then all of a sudden you bump into that certain person. Unhappy people have a negative effect on everybody they come in contact with. Now, understand this. Not everyone is blessed with a natural, positive, upbeat personality. Some people are. There there, there are some people that, you know, that I could mention their names, but I, I won't. But you know, they, they're, just, they're just always upbeat. They're just always happy. And, and in fact, uh, the other day I was at a restaurant. I happened to be by myself. And the waitress was just, I mean, she, I noticed her before I even got seated. And, you know, and I, when she come to me, I mean, she just, you know, just chipper and, you know, just up here and just, you know, just. And I asked her, I said, are you always this happy? Are you always, and, you know, and she laughed. She said, everybody asked me that. And she said, yeah, I'm, I am. I'm just, I just have been blessed with that kind of personality and that kind of, you know, it's just, I'm just blessed. And Well, you know, um, not everyone is blessed with a natural, positive, upbeat personality. But there are things we can do that will help us. And things we can do that will help us. There are daily habits that we can develop. Say develop. There are daily habits that we can develop that will increase happiness in us personally, which will transfer to those around us. These daily habits will determine our daily happiness. And how many understand that happy team members make for a better team, right? Um... Happy spouses uh, make for happier families, correct? All right, so let me give you 10 little tips. 10 daily habits that will determine your daily happiness. Number one, number one, meet with God before you meet with people. Meet with God before you meet with people. Psalm 63 and 1 says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Now understand early is relative, okay? For some people, early is 4.30 in the morning. Some people, early is, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning. Early is, is relative, okay? And just because you're an, uh, you know, a, a morning person, don't chastise those that are not, you know, because, you know... Um, I was pastoring a church several years ago, and it was back when it was, and younger ones don't know, won't know anything about what I'm talking about, but back, how many remember Larry Lee? 
remember Larry Lee who pastored over here in Dallas at Rock? And he, you know, he taught that why Terry, why can you not tell you one hour? He had the prayer ministry and everybody was going to church. It's, I say everybody, but most churches were having six o'clock in the morning prayer meetings, you know. People were meeting at the church at six o'clock and praying for an hour before they went to work. It was a, it was a big hoop to do. It was a big, the big deal, you know. It was the, the happening thing at the time. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I actually, you know, wake up early now, but that was 25 years ago. And 25 years ago, I didn't wake up as early as I do now, you know. Uh, I didn't do at 35 what I do at 60, okay. And those of you that are 25 and 35, you'll understand a few, in a few years. But uh, so 6 o'clock, I mean, well, being there at 6 o'clock meant you had to get up at what, 5 o'clock, you know, to get there or whatever, 5.30 or whatever to get there. So, you know, that, that really wasn't. Really wasn't my time, you know what I'm saying? But I'm the pastor, you know, so the pastor better be there because if he ain't there at the prayer meeting, he ain't spiritual, you know. And so, and so one, of my, one of my guys uh, on my board, uh, well, you know, he was in his 60s. And so, you know, uh, uh, he, he, you know, 6 o'clock was nothing to him. He got up 5 o'clock every day, read the paper, drank coffee. He did that, you know, all the time, whether he was going to prayer meeting or not. He was up, you know, so it wasn't no big deal to him. I had to drag my rear end out of bed and make myself get down there, you know. And so, you know, and, and if I missed, well, he'd make me feel bad. You know, he'd put that condemnation on me. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm a man of God and I should be there and I'm yim, 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 yim. You know, and, uh, but, you know, his wife told me that, you know, at 8 o'clock every night he was asleep in his chair. Okay, and I understand that now too. <laughs> For me, it's about nine thirty. But anyway, um, so uh, so I, you know, I told him one day I called him my name when he was, you know, getting on me, and I said, "Look, dude," I said, "I'll tell you what," I said, "You know what? You don't understand is it's a it's a it's a." Uh, sacrifice for me to be down here at six o'clock every morning, but it's not for you. You were getting up early before that anyway. And I said, I'll tell you what, let's do. I said, let's, let's meet at the church at, at midnight every night. And, 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 and I'll be happy to come and let, let's see you drag your rear end down here at, at, at midnight. It'll be a, it'll be a, uh, 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 sacrifice for you then. What, what am I saying? I'm saying, I'm saying early is, is relative. Okay. It's a relative term, but but, you know, if we could learn to meet with God before we meet with people, uh, our day would go a lot better, wouldn't it? Our day would go a whole lot better. Uh, because, uh, back to our notes, people can drain you. People can drain you. God can fill you. See, if we understood that, you know, that people can drain us, but God can fill us. And so, and so if we're going to have a, if we're going to go through our day with, you know, have some happiness in our day, then we need to meet with God before we meet with people. Uh, develop a daily devotional life. Develop a daily devotional life. You know, read the Word, and don't, don't just read your, you know, five favorite scriptures, you know. Read the Word systematically. Uh, get you a one-year Bible and, and read through that, you know. It, it, um, read, read the Word systematically. Pray, you know. Pray every morning before you go to work or before you go through your daily routine. Uh, get you a good devotional book. Uh, and, and as you read through the Word, ask God to speak to you through His Word. Ask God to speak to you through His Word. And, and, and another tip on that is, you know, don't try and read it all in one sitting, you know. It, it's, better, it's better to read, uh, you know, it's better to read a half a dozen verses and understand them than to read 12 chapters and have no clue as to what you read. Okay, so maybe just maybe a chapter, maybe, maybe a chapter 
And, and you know, maybe you have to read it two or three times to really, really get it, really get it. But as you read through it, ask the Lord to speak to you through his word. Uh, prepare your heart with prayer before meeting with a difficult person. That's, this is a big one. This is a big one. Prepare your heart with prayer before meeting with a difficult person. All right, let's say, you're, you know, you, you've got a, a, a tough meeting to go into. Uh, then take, take a couple moments and, 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 and pray. I mean, you know, take a couple moments and pray. You know, maybe you're, you know, and especially, uh, maybe you can't do that at work because, you know, you, you get fired, you know. So maybe you can't do that there. But that's why I'm saying when you do it before you go to work, you know, say, okay, you know what, I got a meeting. I got I to gotta meet with the boss today and, you know, it's a difficult little situation here. And, and, and so you know that before you even go. And so, and so spend some time preparing your heart with prayer. And ask God to give you, ask God to give you specific things. Uh, ask him to give you grace if that's what you need. Uh, ask him to give you wisdom if that's what you need. If you need, you know, maybe you're wrestling with a, with a situation, you know, and you need God to give you wisdom or, or someone's coming to meet with you and they've got a problem and, and they're going to expect you to kind of help them with an answer. Ask God, God, give me, give me wisdom. Give me some wisdom. And the Bible says if we'll ask God, he'll, he'll give us wisdom and he'll give it to us liberally. Uh, ask him for patience, for patience. I'm, I'm thinking of, of someone, and they're not in this church, so don't, but I'm thinking about someone who I, I meet with sometimes and, and they just really kind of grate on me. You know what I'm saying? They just, it's just, they kind of grate on my, my nerves, you know, and they, I just, we don't see things alike. We don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. And, and so, and so before I meet with them, I just ask the Lord, Lord, give me patience. Give me patience. Give me some patience to, to, to deal with, 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 these, with these, these people. Or compassion. Maybe it's compassion that, that you need. So the first daily habit that will determine your daily happiness is meet with God before you meet with people. Because uh, people can drain you, but God can fill you. So get filled up with God before you get drained by people. That makes sense? Second daily habit you can do to determine your daily happiness is, and this is a big one, take time to organize your day. Take time to organize your day. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 22 says, if you plan to do good, you'll receive unfailing love and faithfulness. Somebody said, organize or agonize. Organize or agonize. Somebody else said it like this, work smarter, not harder. Okay? Look ahead to tomorrow. Look ahead to the end of the week. Look ahead to the end of the month. Always be aware of what's next. Always be aware of what's coming up. Don't allow deadlines to sneak up on you. Don't allow deadlines to sneak up on you. Every Monday morning when I get to my office, I pull out my calendar. I just told my age, didn't I? I still have it on paper. You look at your phone, but I still look, pull out my calendar, 
Every Monday morning, I pull out my calendar, I look at my calendar, and I see what I have that day, that week, that month, always looking ahead, always looking ahead, what's coming up, and especially looking up, looking for those biggies, you know, those big events, those big things. Okay, I have how much time now to get prepared for this? Okay, here, it's coming, it's coming. Okay, so don't allow deadlines to sneak up on you. Eat the elephant one bite at a time, right? Eat the elephant one bite at a time. See, huge projects don't have to overwhelm you if you start on them early enough. Now, when I was a kid in school, I was the worst procrastinator there ever was because I hated school and I hated term papers, and I hated projects, and so I would put them off till the last minute, and then I would stress to the max and pull off something average, where if I would have began early and worked a little bit on it at a time, and ate the elephant a little bit at a time, I could have made an A+, plus. but instead I made a B-, minus because I pulled off, you know, a month's worth of work. In one night, <laughs> you know. Well, I've learned I don't do that any more. And here's what I've learned, and that is the hardest part of any project. How many, somebody tell me what the hardest part of any project. I don't care what the project is. The hardest part of any project is what? Just getting started. Just getting started. Once you get started, you know, you start building a little momentum and a little momentum and then you kind of get into it and, you know, and it's just, and then you think, why did I stress over this so much? Why did I procrastinate this so much? Why did I make such, you know, big deal out of this? Pressure causes stress. Stress drains energy and robs you of happiness. Stressed out people are irritable. They snap at people. And usually, they snap at the people they love the most. And their stress puts undue stress on everybody around them. So the second daily habit that will determine your daily happiness is take time to organize your day. Organize your day, your week, your month, your year, your life. Organize or agonize. All right, the third daily habit that determines daily happiness. Do the hard stuff first. Do the hard stuff first. Remember this illustration. You probably all heard it before, but maybe you haven't. If you have, it's worth hearing again because it's pretty awesome. It said one day this, I'm just going to read it because it's just good enough to read. It says one day this expert was speaking to a group of business students and to drive home a point, used an illustration I'm sure those students will never forget. After I share it, 
you'll never forget it either. As this man stood in front of the group of high-powered overachievers, he said, okay, time for a quiz. Then he pulled out a one-gallon wide-mouth mason jar and set it on a table in front of him. Then he produced about a dozen fist-sized rocks and carefully placed them one at a time into the jar. How many have heard this? You not heard this? Five people have heard it, and i got 25 in here, so 20 of you haven't. Okay, good. And, and good. It's a good illustration in it, those of you that have heard it. Okay? All right, so he pulled out a, a one-gallon wide-mouthed mason jar, set it on a table in front of him. Then he produced about a dozen fist-sized rocks and carefully placed them one at a time into the jar. When the jar was filled to the top and no more rocks would fit inside, he asked, Is this jar full? And everyone in the class said, Yes, the jar is full. Then he said, Really? He reached under the table and pulled out a bucket of gravel. Then he dumped some gravel in and shook the jar, causing pieces of gravel to work themselves down into the spaces between the big rocks. Then he smiled and asked the group once more, is the jar full? By this time, the class was on to him. Probably not, one of them answered. Good, he replied. And he reached under the table and brought out a bucket of sand. He started dumping the sand in, and it went into all the spaces left between the rocks and the gravel. Once more, he asked the question, is this jar full? No! The class shouted in unison. Once again, he said, good. Then he grabbed a pitcher of water and began to pour it in until the jar was filled to the brim. Then he looked up at the class and asked, what is the point of this illustration? One eager beaver raised his hand and said, the point is, no matter how full your schedule is, If you try really hard, you can always fit some more things into it. No, the speaker replied. That is not the point. The truth this illustration teaches us is this. If you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in at all. And then he asked, what are the big rocks in your life? What are the big rocks in your life? A project you want to accomplish? Time with your loved ones? Your faith? Your education? Your finances? A cause? Teaching or mentoring others? Remember to put these big rocks in first or you'll never get them in at all. Isn't that good? And that fits with what I'm saying here as well. Do the hard stuff first. Do the important stuff first. Because if you don't, you won't get get it done. Um, Don't procrastinate. Back to our notes. Don't procrastinate. Do it while you're fresh. Do it while you're fresh. While you have the energy. Dreading it all day will only make it harder. 
and make you irritable, leading to more problems. So the third daily habit that will determine your daily happiness is do the hard stuff first. Get it out of the way. Get it done. Number four, the fourth daily habit that will determine your daily happiness is give people the benefit of the doubt. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 17 says, The first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. How many understand there's three sides to every story? Oh, you thought there was two sides? No, there's three sides to every story. There's your side, there's my side, and there's the real side. And usually the real side, the true side, is somewhere in between your side and my side, his side and her side, their side and their side. Yeah, the first to speak sounds right until the cross-examination begins. And Proverbs 19 and 11 says, sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Proverbs 19 and 11. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Back to our notes. If something can be taken either positive or negative, take it positive. You see, if you look for something negative, you will always find it. And don't read into something, something that isn't there. I'll never forget, wasn't in this church, but several years ago, I was pastoring another church. I noticed in the middle of my sermon that a whole family got up and left during my sermon. And... After church, one of the men in the church came up to me and said, uh, did you notice, I'll just call them Smith, that's not what their names were, but did you notice the Smith family left with you preaching? I said, yeah, I did, I noticed that. He says, because you was preaching on tithing and you made them mad and they're leaving the church, I guarantee you, you know. So I go home and I think about that all day long. Man, hmm, well, first of all, I'm going to preach tithing because it's in the Word. I'm supposed to preach the word, so, you know, if I preach the word and people get offended, they're not really getting offended at me. They're getting offended at the word, not at me. Nothing I can do about it. But I did. It bothered me. It really bugged me. And, you know, I thought, oh, man, you know, we can't really afford to lose those people. They're good people. And, you know, and I, you know I just, you know, building all this stuff up, you know, in all, your mind and all this stuff. And whole week goes by. The next Sunday, well, you know, before, before church, they came up to me and said, Pastor, we just... You know, I don't know if you noticed or not, but we, you know, we all, my whole family got up in the middle of your sermon and left last Sunday. I said, yeah, I noticed. They said, well, you know, I got called out to work, man. I felt really bad about, you know, getting up in the middle of your sermon and, you know, dragging my whole family out. But we all came in one car and I got called out to work. We had to, and I wanted to find that guy, you know, and punch his lights out that told me, you know, you know what I'm saying? I, I really did not. But I did tell him, I said, hey, dude, you know what you told me, you know, about these people, you know? Uh, you know why they left? Uh, they left because he got called out to work. They came in one car. The whole family had to get up and leave. And, and he apologized because they kind of made a scene when they left because they were gathering their coats and their purses and their, 
you know, their hat and all that stuff and, you know, uh, give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't read into something that, it, something that isn't there. Uh, here's another thing about giving people the benefit of the doubt. Uh, take people's past history uh, into account when you decide whether or not you're going to believe what's been said about them. Take their past history into account. When somebody says something about somebody or they did something or they said something, you know, um, don't just take it at face value. Think, well, let me think about this for a minute, you know, in your own mind, you know. Uh, and take their past history as a, you know, into account as to whether you're going to, you know, actually buy into that or believe that or not. Uh, I remember one time, a long time ago, someone said to me, your wife said thus and so, and went on this long spill that my wife supposedly said. And uh, I said, no, she didn't. My wife didn't say that. And they said, how do you know she didn't say that? You weren't even there. How can you say your wife didn't say that when you weren't even there? And uh, I said, uh, I know uh, she didn't say it because I know my wife. I know my wife. And, and I know my wife. And, uh, and, uh, and this is not what she would say. Under no circumstances and on my wife's worst day, she would not say, what you're saying, my wife said. So I don't have to be there to know that what you're saying isn't true. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't read into something, something that isn't there. Um, take people's past history into account when you decide If or not you're going to believe it. You know, I don't, I'm not upset when somebody gossips about me. Because you know what? Gossip's gossip. Let me tell you what bothers me. Is not when people gossip about me. But when people believe the gossip. People that I've, you know been to the hospital and spent hours with, baptized their kids, you know, married their kids, buried grandma for them, people I've walked through heartache with, I've counseled, I've loved, I've been there for, and you're going to believe them? Do you not, like Jesus said, have you not been with me so long and you do not know me yet? that make sense? Give people the benefit of the doubt. Daily habit, determining daily happiness. Number five, the fifth daily habit that will determine daily happiness is refuse to fight battles you can't win. There are many anybody that's just always fighting. They're always fighting somebody. Always fighting somebody or some cause or some whatever. You know, they're always at war with somebody or something. Always. I'm not saying you should never fight. I'm not saying you should never battle. I'm saying, I'm saying if you're going to be happy, uh, refuse to fight battles you can't win. 
Proverbs 21 and 23 says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Isn't that awesome? I love it. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Proverbs 29 and 11 says, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Or we could paraphrase it by saying, fools speak everything that's on their mind, the wise don't. You know, just because you think something doesn't mean you have to say it. Just because you have a thought, just because you think something doesn't necessarily mean you have to say it. If you're married, you understand you've been married very long, happily married very long. You know, you don't always say what you're thinking. I said everything that was on my mind one time to my wife, and I didn't see her for two weeks. Then I could see her just a little bit out of this right eye. Two battles you will never win are politics and religion. Why people argue politics and religion, I'll never understand. There are two battles you will never win, politics and religion. If you get in the middle of these battles, you will eventually get shot by both sides. I didn't say you shouldn't have political views, shouldn't stand up for your... I didn't say that. I said two battles you will never win are politics and religion. Here's something that might help you. Develop a few prepared statements to use. Develop a few prepared statements to use. So when these subjects come up, when people bait you to get you in... How many know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about when people, you know, throw the lure out, throw the bait out there for you to jump on to, you know, to get the thing going, whether it's Facebook or face-to-face or whatever? Develop a few prepared statements to use. For example, you could say, oh, thinking about that stuff makes my head hurt. And, and then just chuckle and change the subject. Because you're not going to win. You're not going to convince them. They're not going to convince you. Had a little deal with a a guy today about uh, um, um, whether you can lose your salvation or not. You know, well, his theology, no matter what you do, can't lose your salvation. Whatever you do, well, I happen to believe you can lose your salvation. Now, I don't think. I don't think it's easy. I think you gotta, you got to work at it. I think you can. And my whole argument is this. If we can choose to get in, we can choose to get out. Now, if you don't think we have any choice, that we're just predestined, that everybody, you know, God says, you're saved, you're lost, you're saved, you're lost, you're saved. If you believe that, okay, that's... You know, and some people believe that. There's actually a whole denomination that believes that. Okay? I don't believe that. I believe we have free will. So if I have free will, then that ha- I have the right to choose to receive Christ or not receive Christ. Then do I lose that free will after I've accepted him and I've chosen him? So 
if you can choose to be saved, I think you could choose to be unsaved. Now, I'm not going to argue with that with you. I'm the pastor here. That's what we're going to preach around here, okay? <laughs> I'm kidding, okay? Come on, lighten up a little bit. But, you know, he had his argument. I had my argument, you know, and we talked a little bit. It was, didn't get out of hand. It could have, but I just, you know, I said, you know what? Whatever, you're still my brother because you believe in Christ. You know, you believe, he's, you know, you, you believe in Christ. So we're our bro- you're my brother, you know. Either way, you're still my, you're still my brother. But, you know, uh, politics and religion, two battles you'll never win. You get, in, you get in the middle of these battles, you'll eventually get shot by both sides. Um, now, I'm not talking about absolutes clearly spelled out in Scripture. I'm not talking about absolutes clearly spelled out in Scripture. I'm, I'm referring to the gray areas. I'm talking about the no-win situations. Okay? Wow. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm, we're halfway there. I'll do the second half faster, hopefully. Number six, the sixth daily habit that will determine your daily happiness is, and this is big, create your own atmosphere. Create your own atmosphere. How many know you can create your own atmosphere? You have a choice in the atmosphere that surrounds you. Proverbs 15 and 15 says, For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Wow. Wow. All right, Pastor, how am I going to create my own atmosphere? Well, let me give you three things. Number one, by the people you choose to hang out with. By the people you choose to hang out with. Proverbs 13 and 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools. Get into trouble. I think we could interject different words for that word wise, you know. You know, walk with the depressed and become depressed. Walk with the uh, walk with the negative and become negative. Walk with the upbeat and become walk with the positive and become I don't think we do that scripture injustice by interjecting those words. A daily habit that will determine your daily happiness is to create your own atmosphere by the people you choose to hang out with. Because, you see, we take on the thoughts and the ways and the attitudes of the people we continually hang out with. I got a really, really good friend, and he talks funny on purpose. I mean, he just does weird things with words. Just, you know, just does weird things with words. Makes up words, you know. It's just a weird thing that he does. I never, ever do that. Except when I'm around him. I mean, 
I hadn't seen him in a week, and he walks up, and I'll do it. Not even thinking about it. I'll do it because I spent so much time with him over the years. You know, we've gone places, done things, taken vacations together, you know, played golf together, you know, just done lots of stuff together, been, been together hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And so I won't do that with anybody else. Hadn't seen him in a week. Hadn't seen him in a month. He can walk up. I'll do it. Why? Because we take on the thoughts, the ways, the attitudes of the people we continually hang out with. So create your own atmosphere by the people you choose to hang out with. Now, there's some people you can't choose, you know. You can't choose, you know. You can't always choose your boss, can't always choose your coworker, whatever. But, you know. You might have to work with them, but don't mean you have to go after, you know, go to lunch with them or go, you know, hang out with them later or whatever. By the people you choose to hang out with. Number two, this sounds silly, but it's true. By the decor of your workspace. Do you know there have been studies that actually prove that there are certain colors that change your mood? Make your work. Space neat and tidy, you know, instead of a big old mess of stuff. Can't find anything. Number three, by the words you choose to speak. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue can produce both life and death. Well, if that's true, I think I'm going to speak life, don't you? Speak life. Let's speak upbeat. I'm not talking about mind over matter. I'm not getting weird with this, you know. But I'm telling you that the words we speak, you know, the words we speak helps create our own atmosphere. Number seven, the seven daily habit that determines daily happiness is prioritize, prioritize, and then prioritize. How many know that we're all given the same amount of time, right? 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 28 to 31 days a month, depending on the month, right? 365 days a year. So how come some people say, I don't have time? I don't have time. No, you don't make time. You don't prioritize. Because we all have the same amount of time. They are. So if they are and you're not, it's not because you don't have time. Because you have the same amount of time. I understand some people have to work longer and all that stuff. But still, it's usually a matter of prioritizing or the lack of prioritizing. Most people never get to do what they want. Because they misuse their time. They misuse their time. Discover what God wants you to do. How many know that's prioritizing? God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want? Why am I on planet Earth? What do you have me here for?
It might be some great big grand, grandiose thing, or it may be some small thing, but if it's but nothing is really great or small if it's God if it's what God designed you for it's great right because that's what God designed you for you may not be doing something great maybe you are raising someone who's going to do something great how about that you may not be Billy Graham but maybe you are the mother of Billy Graham Discover what God wants you to do. Proverbs 21 and 1 says, Man's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. Discover what God wants you to do. Discover what you want to do. Discover what you want to do. What is it you want to do? Have you asked yourself, what do you want to do? Have you asked yourself, is this what I want to do? Is what I'm doing, is this what I want to do? And if you're young, for sure, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? Is this what I want to do? See, I think what you really want to do and what God wants you to do, I think they're really connected. Because Psalms 37 uh, and uh, 4, I think it is, says that, that he will give us the desires of our heart. Now, I think, I think most people misinterpret that scripture, that God will give you the desires of your heart. So, you know, okay, I desire a hot, hot fudge Sunday right now, so God's going to give me that hot fudge Sunday. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, we're coming in agreement with me over here. Actually, I think what it really means is that God will give us the desires he wants us to have. And that is if we'll seek him, we'll serve him, we'll, we'll ask him to. He'll give us our desires. So when we look into our heart, when we're seeking God and asking God, you know, to put his desires in our heart, I think he will do that. Discover what you want to do. And then discover a way to do what God wants you to do and what you want to do. Discover a way to do what God wants you to do and what you want to do. That might be in the area of a career. Look at your gifts, your talents, your abilities. And try and match your gifts, your talents, and abilities, which were given to you by God, right? And if your gifts, talents, and abilities are God-given, how many know God doesn't do anything on accident? He does everything for a purpose. So if God is the one that gives us our gifts, our talents, our abilities, then he gave us our gifts, our talents, and our abilities for a purpose, right? And so our purpose in our life should revolve around our gifts, our talents, and our abilities, okay? So find out, discover what those gifts, talents, and abilities are, and then discover a way to do what, to put those gifts, talents, and abilities to work in your career, especially if, when you're young, in your career. But maybe you're already into your career, and you found out, you know what, oops, I think I made a mistake here. Well, you know what, if you're young, you can go get a new career. But if you're, you know, if you're middle-aged, I wouldn't advise that. Because by the time you get re-educated, re, uh, you're not going to get a job because they're going to hire somebody younger. So then what do you do? doesn't mean you've got to give up on, your, on, on, on being fulfilled and being happy and being content. No, then you find another way. You know, 
you find a way to volunteer and do it. Maybe it's, maybe it's through the church. Maybe it's through the church. Or, you know, volunteering at a hospital or a homeless shelter or whatever. So there's a way to do it, isn't there? There's a way to do it besides just through a career. Then, here's the greatest part, then discover a way to get paid for doing it. Discover a way to get paid for doing it. Somebody said, if you get paid for doing what you love to do, you don't really work at all. Well, that's true to a degree. I love what I do, and I get paid for what I do. But there, but even what I do, I don't get to just do what I love to do. There's a lot of junk that goes along with doing what I love to do. Let me understand that. You know, I have to deal with a lot of, you know, I don't, I don't just get to get up and preach on Sunday, which I love to do. That's not just all I get to do. I get to deal with people. And sometimes Christian people are the worst. I get to deal with staff. Sometimes they're a blessing and sometimes they're a pain in the booty. Because they're people. And it's not near as much fun digging out the message as it is delivering the message. My wife loves to take my notes and get up and preach. If I'm sick, she'll preach my sermon for me because I've done all the work. She'll just study all my notes and get up there and not even tell you it's mine. When we traveled... We were traveling as evangelists. A couple times I got sick. I mean, I was sick as a dog, man. I mean, I, I preached sick, but I mean, I was sick, sick. I said, baby, I can't go. And she said, well, I'll preach a sermon for you. Okay. So I stayed in the motel, you know, puking my guts up or whatever sickness I had at the time. She goes to the revival, preaches my sermon, you know. It's all the high five, man. That's great. That's the best, man. Don't even send that sucker back, man. You're you're better than he is, you know. She comes home, and she's all be bopping in because she's had a great time, you know. And and uh, I said, did you tell it was my sermon? No, of course not. <laughs> so even though you find a way to get paid for doing something you love, there's you know, you know, it's not all peaches and cream. But it's still a whole lot better than doing something you hate, right? All right. Oh, wow. Running out of time here. Number eight, daily habits determine daily happiness. Number eight, don't have unrealistic expectations. Don't have unrealistic expectations. Proverbs 28 and 19 says, A person who chases fantasies ends up in poverty. Hey, it's great to have a dream. We hear a lot about have a dream, get a dream. Now, don't just get a dream. Get God's dream for your life. But it's great to have a dream. It's best to make it realistic. See, I'd rather have a goal I can reach. And once I reach that goal, I can now shoot for a higher goal. I tend to work harder when I'm working toward a goal I believe I can actually reach. Get all those blanks? Did I go too fast? Get them all? See, reaching my present goal helps me believe I can reach my future goal. 
See, my goal has never been to build this church to a thousand. My goal has been for the last 12 years to build this church to 500. Well, guess what we had last Sunday? 529. Guess what we had a couple weeks before that? 501. Okay, guess what? We're there. So guess what my goal is now? Now, now I can believe for 1,000. Now my immediate goal is 600, you know. Once you reach 500, then let's reach 600, then let's reach 700. But you know what? I can see 1,000 now. You know, our low Sunday, you know, 12 years ago was 82. Can I see 1,000 from 82 and a bankrupt church basically and no building? Kind of hard to see that. Honestly, I could see a couple of hundred for sure, you know. And then once we got a couple of hundred, I could say, okay, man, yeah, we can go to 500. Well, guess what? We're here now. So now I couldn't really see 1,000 12 years ago with 82 people, but now I can see it. Can you see it? With 529 last Sunday, can you see it? Ricky, can you see it? Kind of hard to see it 12 years ago, though, right? Kind of hard to see 500 12 years ago. Don't have unrealistic expectation. It's great to have a dream. It's best to make it realistic. Rather have a goal I can reach. Once I reach that goal, I can now shoot for a higher goal. Reaching my, back to our notes, reaching my present goal helps me believe I can reach my future goal. See, here's, here's, this, is very, this is big right here. We tend to overestimate what we can do in a short time and underestimate what we can do in a lifetime. And not just in a, a lifetime. We could, I could say we tend to overestimate what we can do in a short time and underestimate what we can do in, you know, five years or in ten years. We overestimate what we can do in, you know, in three months and underestimate what we can do in five years. I wish I knew this in my early ministry. I really wish I knew this in my early ministry. Number nine. Number nine. Daily habits that determine daily happiness. This is not going to sound very spiritual, but it is. Get plenty of rest. Get plenty of rest. Mark 6 and 31, Jesus. Jesus said to them, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. And he, the Bible says, I'm reading it from the Bible, says he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. Now put this in context here. I mean, there's so many people coming and going, man. I mean, I mean, it's happening, man. It's happening. And Jesus said, hey, let's leave the crowd and go off by ourselves and get in a quiet place and rest a while. That don't sound very American, does it? American says, you know, strike the iron while it's hot, right? You know? Man, we got all this stuff going on. We better keep it going on. Man, we better go, 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 and keep going, going, going. Jesus said, no, got it going on. But you know what, guys? We better, we better pull up, you know, we better have a little R&R here. We better go into the desert place, get away from the crowd for a little while and rest. 
It's interesting. If you study the leadership style of Jesus, you will see that Jesus never got in a hurry. You know, American leadership, go, 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 go. Bigger is better. The next rung, the next rung, the next thing. The bigger, the better, the next thing. If you study the leadership style of Jesus, you'll see that Jesus never got in a hurry. He, and he never allowed people to rush him. Even when they tried to rush him. He didn't allow people to rush him. And he didn't allow people to push him into anything. Well, you got to do this. And if you're not doing it, man, you're going to miss out. That didn't affect Jesus. He didn't allow anybody to rush him in or push him into anything. I mean, I mean, his best friend is dying. And he delays four days before he goes. Crazy, huh? Get plenty of rest. How we feel physically affects how we feel emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. God said that every man needs a Sabbath. Exodus 23 and 12 says, Six days you shall do your work, one day you shall rest. Americans never rest. Even on their day off, they don't rest. They're not resting. They're not, you know, nobody's doing the Sabbath. They're not resting. They're playing harder than they were working. They've got to go back to work to rest from their play. All right, I'm going to wind this up. I see you guys getting tired on me. Number 10, the 10th habit, daily habit that will determine your daily happiness is, and this is gigantic. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is gigantic. This is a big one. All right. Number 10, do your best. Do your best and trust God for all the rest. That should be your life's mission statement. Do my best, trust God for the rest. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14 says, Having done all, stand. After after I've done everything I can do, I'm just going to stand. I'm going to stand on God's promises, stand on God's word, stand in faith. Now, Don't use this as an excuse. I did my best. Well, did you? Do your best means do your best. It means do everything you can do. Do your due diligence. Do your homework. Do your, you know, do your prayer time. Do, Do your best. And then when you've done your best, you've done everything you can do. Sometimes I have to preach this to my wife. She's not here. Hopefully she won't listen to this online. But, you know, sometimes, you know, when things aren't going quite as good as we think they ought to be going in the church, you know, or not growing as whatever, I say, baby, we're doing everything we can do. We're doing everything we can do. Now we just got to trust God. We've done everything we can do. Now God has to do what, he, what we can't do. 
So do your best. But that means actually doing your best. And once you've done all, do everything you can do. Do your due diligence. Do everything you can do. And then trust God to do what you can't do. All right, I need this job. Okay. Okay, I've filled out the resume. I've sent it. Okay. I've asked God to help me with it. You know, I've, you know, I've, uh, I've, I've done the interview. I prepped for the interview. Okay, I've done everything I can do now. There's nothing else I can do. I cannot kick the door open. I've done everything I can do. Now I've got to just trust God. Do what I can't do. And if I don't, if it doesn't happen, then it wasn't supposed to be. All right, let's finish up with these four little statements here. Number one, you'll never please everyone. Do your best. Trust God with the rest because you'll never please everyone. And not everyone's going to like you. Can you believe that? Not everyone's going to like you. Can you believe as sweet as I am and nice and easygoing and laid back as I am, not everybody loves me? Can you believe that? can hardly believe it. Anybody wouldn't like me, but they don't. Some people don't like the bulldog. But you know what? Some people love the bulldog. I heard this years ago at a pastor's conference. The speaker said, fellas, he was talking to preachers. He said, the pastor says, fellas, don't get too upset when people leave your church. Don't get too upset when people leave. Now, if it's a herd of people, I'm not talking about that, but I'm, you know, this one and that one and one, you know. He said, don't get too upset when people leave your church. He said, because the very exact reason some people will leave for is the exact same reason others will come for. The very same things that some people don't like about me are the very same things that other people love about me. So what? So I just be who God made me, right? Not using that as an excuse of I'm just who I am. No, I'm saying actually be who God made me. I'm a bulldog, so be it. I had to be a bulldog to do the things God called me to do. Okay? Chihuahua wouldn't get it done. Lap dog wouldn't get it done. Took a bulldog. Okay? It's okay. I'm good with it. Got my place. You have yours. We all have our place. You'll never please everyone. Second statement, you will always, there will always be situations beyond your control. Always be illustrations or illustrations. Always be situations beyond your control. No matter what you do, it's beyond your control. Well, if it's beyond your control, then do your best. Trust God for the rest. And then number third little thing here, there will be times when you won't get what you deserve. You deserve the promotion. You've got the credentials. You've got the experience. You've been faithful. You've been there. But the brother-in-law gets the job. There will be times when you won't get what you deserve. So do your best. Trust God for the rest. And the fourth thing, there will be times when you will receive blessings you don't deserve. It all kind of washes, doesn't it? All right? I've given you 10 daily habits that will determine your daily happiness. How many believe you can determine your daily happiness? 
Most of you. The rest of it, I haven't convinced you or you just don't vote. How many believe you can determine your daily happiness? To a degree. All right, thank you. Father, thank you for the time we've had tonight. Uh, thank you for uh, your incredible word, Father. Uh, the wisdom that we can glean from your word. Father, I just pray, Lord, that we will be more than hearers of your word, but we will become doers of your word. I pray that we will begin to instill these daily habits in our daily lives and see if our lives are not better because of it. Bless us. Be with us all as we go. Bring us all back Sunday. Give us an awesome, incredible, fabulous Sunday this coming Sunday. For your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for coming out.